Thank you for coming to the podcast. This is Top Turtle MMA Podcast on CagesidePress.com. I'm Dan Gumby Freeland, joined as always by my co-host Shockwave Dave Tronte. The UFC is heading back to Texas again for Giga Chikadze versus Edson Barboza. That's an exciting featherweight tilt that's got title shot implications. We will, of course, be breaking down that fight as well as both of the fights from the Ultimate Fighter finale as part of Fights, Dogs, and Parlays, where we'll also give you an underdog and a parlay that we think is going to make your wallet fat this upcoming weekend. Plus, I'm giving you the interviews you've come to know and love. Kicking off this fight card and kicking off our card is Giga Chikadze, who is going to be fighting in the main event this upcoming weekend. We will be talking to him about the potential of a title shot after this one, as well as how he thinks he's going to do against the striker Edson Barboza. Then I'm talking with Brian Battle, who is going for the Ultimate Fighter Finale Championship against Gilbert Urbina. He talks about that fight as well as the change of opponents and what it was like inside the house. And I usually cap it at two interviews every single week, but this week I decided to give you more. I'm giving you Andre Petrovsky as well at the end of the show, who talks about getting the call on short notice to fill in for a fight here, getting a call from Nick Maynard that he thinks was a prank, all kinds of great stuff. So we're going to get to all that wonderful content for you. But before we do, I want to let you know that this episode is brought to you by Better Than Vegas. Better Than Vegas is the home for the avid sports better, providing insights, analysis, and free betting picks. It's like the YouTube for sports gambling. Head on over to betterthan.vegas and browse, search, and follow handicappers and sports personalities as they give you their thoughts on upcoming sports contests in every sport imaginable. And in fact, you can get bonus picks from me each and every week if you head on over to the Top Turtle MMA page. Last week, we cashed a plus 450 ticket on Ramiz Brahimai finishing in the first round. You can only get those picks, though, at the Better Than Vegas page of Top Turtle MMA Podcast. So make sure you head on over there and subscribe because Better Than Vegas brings you this episode of the Top Turtle MMA Podcast, and it starts right now. The hosts are ready. The fighters are ready. Listeners, make some noise if you are ready for Top Turtle MMA with Shockwave and Gumby. All right, and joining me now is Giga Jakadze, who fights Edson Barboza as the headliner of UFC Vegas 35 on August 28th. So, Giga, you know, a lot of times when we've talked in the past, you've said that when people strike with you for a bit, no matter how much of strikers they are, they turn into wrestlers. They want to grapple you after striking with you for a minute. I think there's probably a, a lot of fans out there who have a tough time imagining Edson Barboza turning into a wrestler. But I, I'm curious, is that what you're expecting again here? <laughs> Uh, I believe uh, Edson is a Edson is really like a good, experienced, entertaining striker, and um, I think he he will he will try to test his striking. You know, like I've been talking a lot that I'll be saying that there are levels in in the striking. Uh, and the guy is really good, but there is a level above as well. So. Yeah, he he once he's gonna fail it, then he's gonna start uh, shooting and trying to wrestle me, hundred percent. Well, I'm looking forward to seeing that. Now, I'm curious too because you know you've been saying for such a long time, and I think a lot of fans have been saying for a long time, you've deserved a headliner, you've deserved a ranked opponent, and and not a lot of people, you know, lining up to fight Giga Chikadze. I'm curious, first of all, has that become really frustrating for you? You seem to be one of the most duck guys in, in any division, never mind the featherweight division. Uh, yeah, yeah, man, it's very frustrating, you know, like uh, I agreed a couple of times even to fight 155 when it was uh, the problem to find opponents, you know, from the, yeah, from even from the last year, you know, I was... Uh, I was chasing my opponents, you know? <laughs> but yeah, finally we got uh, the good names, and I'm really happy about it. The Edson is not the top five; I wanted top five opponent, but he's the, the name. He's the name in UFC, so people know him very well, and uh, they give him a lot of credit. So that fits me very well. 
I definitely agree. Now, I'm curious, too, when you were offering to fight guys at 155 and getting offers to fight guys at 155, were those ranked opponents up there as well, too? Was that a situation where you were looking for ranked guys at lightweight? Definitely, yeah. Even the last year when Tony and Charles had the fight, uh, I I went there in Vegas. Uh, you know, it's a COVID time, crazy time. Always something happens. You know, I went there as a replacement. And uh, I offered myself to UFC, and I was ready to go. But, yeah, I mean, the fight happened. I'm glad for both of them that they made this fight. But if they needed myself, I was there, and the whole UFC knows about it. And uh, everybody who's uh, in this uh, business, in organization, they know this. I I love that. That that certainly would have been a hell of a a short-notice fight. Now, you know, you mentioned that Barboza's got the big name, but he, you're right. He's not a top five opponent, which is what you were looking for. You were looking for the Max Holloways of the world, or the Calvin Caters of the world. Do you feel like with a, this win here that the name value of Edson Barboza gets one of those guys to say yes? Do you believe that that's what's next after Edson Barboza? Man, I've been fighting le- I'm in UFC less than two years. I'm like the one year and ten months or something. And I fought... Uh, I fought six times. This is going to be my seventh fight. And seven fight win streak in this short amount of time. And always uh, always saying yes to all of your opponents. Bro, I need uh, something really big, highest. You know, uh, when you pass the uh, the level like uh, Edson, uh, it's a big, big name. So I believe, uh, let's say, something happens to title shots. You know, I, I would love to be even a replacement for that. When I was going to ask you that, it's only a month after your fight, so obviously you would have to come out of this fight without any any kind of injuries, nothing nothing wrong with your hands and stuff like that. But I assume you will be watching that fight very closely. What are your thoughts on Volkanovski versus Ortega? Definitely, that's a good fight. Two short, shorter guys than me, both of them. They have a very aggressive style. Um, it's it's going to be a fun fight. Is this going to is this fight going to happen? You know, Alex is a really tough guy. Brian has some nasty jiu-jitsu with some good boxing. We'll see. We'll see. It's a very interesting fight. I'm looking forward to it. For sure. Now, you, you've said that you would be a short-notice replacement for them. You, you'll be ready if, if at all possible. How close do you think you are to a title shot with a win this upcoming weekend? Are you one fight away? Do you feel like you could get the winner of that with an impressive performance? Where do you feel like you fit in at this 145 division? I think what I've done in UFC shows how hard I want title shots, and I don't think anybody deserves them more than me, and anybody wants more than me. You know, uh, check it out. Like, Max, he, okay, let's say Volkanovski wins the fight, Max... uh, Max and uh, him, they fought already twice. I don't think they need the, they want to see the third version every single year, the one more fight between Alex and Max. Uh, Bayern is scheduled, but uh, what about Yair, right? Yair never fought, like in these two years when I fought uh, six times, now I'm fighting seven. He never even fought for, for one time. So, uh, I don't think this guy deserves a title shot right now. And who else is that? Zombie. Zombie has uh, had the last good fight. But before that, a couple of losing fights. So maybe he needs one more. Uh, Qatar, he lost his fight. Arnold Allen, he only fights uh, once, in a, uh, once in a year like a miracle. you know. <laughs> so Josh Emmett, he's injured. I, I don't see who... Who is before me for title shots? Uh, I, I don't know. Like, like, what do you think? <laughs> you know, I, I really don't think somebody deserves more than me. So, we'll you see. You certainly make a, a damn good case for that. Now, I, I assume, too, in order to do that, you've got to go out and be impressive against Barboza. Be the kind of guy that people want to see fight Alex Volkanovsky or Brian Ortega. How do you see this fight going down? Do you see yourself getting him out of there in impressive fashion? Yeah, so that's definitely a challenge, you know. It's not an easy task to pass. That's what people think. But for me, um, for me, I feel like 
I have a good uh, strategy, good plan for it. And uh, once I capitalize, yeah, it's going to look different way. Well, we're looking forward to that. And now, before I let you go, too, you know, obviously you said you're excited for that fight between Volkanovski and Ortega to see how it goes. I do have to ask you, you know, if we are talking about this prospective matchup being maybe only one fight away, how, how do you feel you match up with the champion and the guy who might possibly take the belt off of the champ? Uh, I think they are both of them one of the top guys in the division, you know, the very challenging opponents compared to the other ones. Uh, but uh, they are both of the guys are shorter than me, and I'm very good to use my reach to to all my the shorter opponents. So I'll make a good plan and uh, finalize like I did to other opponents. So <laughs> <laughs> well, we're certainly looking forward to that. But first, we're of course looking forward to you fighting Edson Barboza, and you can catch that fight, fans. On the UFC Vegas 35 headliner, that's on August 28th. Giga, thank you so much for the time, man. I really appreciate it. Thank you. I appreciate that. Take care, bro. All right, and joining me today is Brian Battle, who fights Gilbert Urbina as the finals of the Ultimate Fighter 29 on August 28th. So, Brian, I want to start by talking about, you know, I, I saw a clip on social media, you watching the semifinals in a bar full of your friends and family and all that people. I want to know, what what was it like watching yourself on TV and, and doing it with, with friends and family who seemingly maybe don't know the outcome? Um, I, I, To be honest, it's one of the most surreal experiences of my entire life. Um, you know, I've had a, a lot of fights as an amateur and a pro, and, um, you know, it's something you don't think about, but, you know, as the fight is unveiling, you know, you're always participating in the fight. You know what I'm saying? You're always in the fight as people are seeing it uh, happen. And so to be able to watch my fight as people are figuring out what happens, you know, to see, to be there as, you know, you see people's genuine reactions and, you know, see people get scared and see people get excited. Uh, it was really, that was probably one of the coolest things about the show is being able to, like, watch your fights uh, with other people who don't know what happens in the fight. And, and just generally, not even just the fights, but seeing your portrayal in the house and how, how people showed you, what, what was that like, too? Um, man, uh, some of the behind-the-scenes stuff, uh, you know, like from Volk, you know, he – he gave me a, a lot more gas uh, with the behind-the-scenes clips than he did um, in front of everyone because, you know, he doesn't want to cause division between the teams. So seeing some of the things Volk had to say and some of the things Dana had to say, you know, it was really cool um, and really encouraging. Uh, you know, seeing some of the things Ortega said, you know what I'm saying, it, you know, it's kind of annoying, you know what I'm saying? But it's, you know, it's kind of, is what it, uh, we've been saying about the dude the whole time. So it was seeing all that stuff. The whole experience was awesome. Uh, I loved it. I'm so happy I was a part of it. Uh, and yeah, man. Yeah. I was, Maybe I can come back as a coach one day. Oh, we'd love it. Now, I did want to ask you about the house because you said, you know, there was a little bit of a rift about the, the Brian Ortega stuff, but mostly the house seemed to be a pretty chill place. It seemed like a bunch of guys talking about being fathers or, or about to be fathers and all that kind of stuff. What was it as chill as, as people made it out to be? Like it, it seemed like there was almost no drama in there. Uh, man, I tell you, there was a, a couple minor altercations, but nothing, nothing actually serious. I think everyone kind of was, you know on the same train of thought where it's like, all right, you know, we all got to live in this house. We all got to fight each other. We all got to see each other after we fight each other. Uh, for real, uh, the real thing, like uh, speaking for myself, it wasn't any of the contestants I had a beef with. It was the coaches on the other team. I didn't like how they conducted themselves and carried themselves. So uh, it was really the coaches that I had a beef with more than the actual fighters. But uh, yeah, no, in the house, it was, it was pretty easy going to be honest. Well, that's awesome to hear. Now, I'm curious, too, because obviously this is a whole bunch of time away from the coaches and the training partners you usually work with. It's working with different coaches, different training partners, all that kind of stuff. Was there an area that you found yourself growing more as a fighter than any others, either mentally or physically, that you think you picked up, you know, working with maybe some different bodies? Man, 
Nah, man, there was so much stuff that happened. I would, I would say, um, uh, being more confident, uh, in my range and, um, and fighting backwards because that's not something I had done for a while. And that was something that I wasn't really utilizing, um, to the, the, the fullest of my capabilities. And, uh, Volk and his team really just hammered that home and, um, so I would say that's probably uh, the biggest uh, takeaway was, you know, uh, you know, not just fighting at range sometimes, but, you know, always keeping that range, always keeping that jab, uh, you know, fighting, having confidence, you know, not having a problem fighting backwards. You know what I'm saying? As long as you're winning the fight, you know, there's no problem with you fighting backwards if you're making the right decision. So just stuff like that. I'd probably say that was the biggest thing. Well, that's great to hear, and it certainly paid off. Now, let's talk about the fight coming up, because obviously this is a weird situation, and it's happened a couple of times in The Ultimate Fighter, but it's a weird one. So, you know, you're supposed to fight Trayshawn Gore. He obviously had a knee injury. But before we get into the opponent switch and all of that, he did say in a social media post recently that he did have a knee injury on the show. Is this something that you had any suspicion your opponent might change when this broke the other day, or did this come as big of a shock to you as everybody else? Um, well, I'll tell you, I'll tell you what comes as a big shock to me, uh, dropping out of a fight of this magnitude, you know what I'm saying? Like it's, uh, and you know, everyone has their own things, you know what I'm saying? Um, but me and Trey, we've been scheduled to fight on multiple occasions and, you know, it's just at this point, you know, I don't even really care to think about it. You know what I'm saying? I, I you know, how I felt about Trey is like irrelevant now. You know what I'm saying? He's in the past. You know what I'm saying? If 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 we have to fight again, you know, I'll I'll, I'll spend energy thinking about him. But right now, uh, if he had an injury in the house, I was totally unaware. Uh, but everyone had injuries in the house. You know what I'm saying? Everyone's always hurt. You know, so. Uh, so was I shocked? I mean, I wasn't. I didn't know about it, but, you know, hearing about injuries never surprises me, you know. So uh, how people deal with the injuries is kind of what surprises me and what doesn't surprise me, you know what I mean? But, uh, yeah, so. Well, let's spend a little of that mental energy then thinking about what's in front of us, which is Gilbert Urbina. Uh, obviously, you know, the the expression, you train to beat everybody and you're you're ready for, you know, all comers. But obviously, like, you know, watching film and game plan happens to change when you change of opponents. Were you familiar enough with him from the show and seeing him fight on the show that that made that easier? Or, you know, is it, you know, a new opponent, completely different thing? Um, you know, and, you know, it, it works both ways. Uh, you know, we did, we were on the same team, so we did, you know, work together a little bit. So, you know, he, he has a general feel of me. I have a general feel of him way more than, you know, you normally have. Uh, at least this is this is the most familiarity I've ever had with someone before I get into a cage with them. Um, so um, it is a big change because Gilbert is a totally different kind of fighter than Treshawn is. But um, yeah, man, you know it's uh, when I first started training. You know, I started training because you know I didn't want to lose to anybody. You know what I'm saying? Like I didn't just start training because, you know, uh, I want to be one specific person. You know, I want to be a cool badass who could be anybody in a fight. So, um, yes, like having a having an opponent change, I mean, it's a bummer, but this isn't anything that I can't handle. Like, last-minute switches is, is part of the game. It's part of what I've always dealt with. So, you know, if they switch the opponent again, then I'll tell you again that I'm going to beat whoever they put in front of me. You know what I'm saying? I train for everybody and anybody, you know? So um, definitely having some familiarity helps. Uh, but even if I didn't have that familiarity, but there wouldn't be any hesitation. For sure. And now before we talk a little bit more about that, I was wondering if we could go back to something you said there, which was that when you started training, you just wanted to be the baddest dude on the planet. You you wanted to be able to beat everybody in a fight. Is, what prompted you to decide to get into MMA? Was was it legitimately that? Was you're just in school one day and you're like, I wish I could beat up everybody around me? <laughs> <laughs> oh. 
Well, I, it's fun. You know, I grew up watching anime, you know what I'm saying? Like uh, Walker, Texas Ranger, you know, all the fighting stuff. And, um, you know, that that was always, you know, back in those shows, you know, that was always the main character's goal. They always just wanted to be the strongest, you know what I'm saying? They didn't care about money. They didn't care about fame. Uh, they didn't care about if anyone knew they were the strongest. They just wanted to be the strongest. They always sought out the best challenges to to to, to prove to themselves, not to anyone else, but just to themselves. And so, um, you know, I think that's just like something that just kind of like subconsciously stuck with me as I grew up. Uh, and um, you know, I one day just stumbled upon watching uh, UFC Unleashed on Spike TV one day, uh, and I, I saw Matt Hughes. Uh, get kicked in the balls, uh, almost get choked out, get out of the choke and carry a dude across the cage and slam him and then choke him out. Like, that was, like, the the most, like, badass thing I'd ever seen, like, a human do with my own eyes up to that point. You know what I mean? And then uh, I became a fan off of that. And then after watching Robbie Lawler, versus Rory McDonald too, I was like, I have to do this. Like there's there's like I, I have to at least have one fight. Like there's no way this stuff is too incredible. I have to see what it feels like to be in that. And uh after I started training and started getting my butt kicked routinely by almost everyone in the gym, I was like, I don't want to lose to anyone <laughs> so I have to work really hard. So I don't lose to anyone. So um yeah. That was a long answer to a short question, but yeah, yeah. Basically, I just want to beat everyone up. <laughs> I, I absolutely love the answer, so feel free to take as much time to answer those as you want. Now, you you said, you know, like the, the, having that subconscious mentality of that I can beat anybody up is, is kind of what drives you. And, you know, that's cool, and, and you get that by winning this show. But you also get the Tough Champion moniker on your name for the rest of your life. They're going to announce it every single time if you come to the cage if you beat Gilbert Arbina on August 28th. So... Tell me a little bit about what that would mean for you to get to hear that attached to your name for the rest of your life. Um, so, yeah, once again, there's no ifs here. When when they announced me as the, the uh, ultimate fighter champion of the 185-pound division, um, it will be, uh, you know, top. Five, you know, I you know I don't want to compare top life events. You know what I'm saying? Uh, but this will definitely be up there. You know, uh, it, it's just like uh, such a tremendous amount of validation. You know what I'm saying? It's like, um, you know, I got started in this sport late uh, training wise, and uh, there's so many times where people, you know, they're like, oh, "What are you doing? Oh, you're wasting your time. Oh, it's time to get serious and do something else." And so you know, to be able to have the, the title of the ultimate fighter in my first step in the big leagues would just be such a, you know, it'd be so cool for me personally knowing what I went through to be able to get that title. And then it'd just be so nice, you know, uh, validating the people who did believe in me. And then it'll be nice to be able to throw it in the faces of the people who didn't believe in me. So I'm, I'm pretty excited about it, man. And we're super excited about it as well. Now, I usually try to get a prediction out of my fighters before I let them go here. And you said it's not if, it's when. So how do you get it done this upcoming weekend, August 28th, against Gilbert Urbina? Well, uh, Gilbert, super, super tough guy. Like I said, I've trained with him. I know this. He's very tricky, very unorthodox, very long. Um, and I think one of the biggest things I can say, and I think, no one will argue with me on this. Um, you know, he hasn't had a full fight camp. You know, I have had a full fight camp. Even if people do have full fight camps, I can usually still outpace them. So um, I see the first round being very competitive. I see him coming out strong with a sense of urgency, uh, looking for takedowns and looking for finishes. But um, after the first uh, two minutes and 30 seconds, I, I, I see things start to – shift into my favor no matter how the fight starts off uh and then you can expect to finish in the second round all right well you heard it here first folks brian battle fights gilbert urbina as the finals of the ultimate fighter 29 that's on august 28th brian thanks so much for the time man i really appreciate it thank you man i appreciate you you have a good one all right 
Well, we hope you enjoyed those interviews with Giga Chikadze and Brian Battle. I, once again, am Daniel Gumby Vreeland, joined now by my co-host, Shockwave Dave Tremonte. Dave, let's start with the stuff from last week before we get into this week. Ignacio Bahamondes hits an insane KO on Roosevelt Roberts. Is it the KO of the year front runner right now? I'm sorry. Are you asking me a question on Giga Chikaze versus Edson Barboza fight week? You want me to focus on something other than that? Oh my God. No, this is so exciting. Uh, yeah, it was a KO of the year front runner, uh, that Bahamandez KO kicking you on the face like a Monday to the work week. It was really, uh, just a beautiful display of, of MMA. Um, and honestly, I actually felt like it wasn't like I didn't get that sense that it was like shared universally, like some other highlight reel KOs we've seen recently. And I wonder if that's just because like it's late summer, it was coming off a down, you know, a, a week where there were no fights. Did you get the sense that this kind of like broke into the mainstream eyeballs, like other highlight reel KOs that we've seen? One of the things that usually gives me a good sense if it made it to the mainstream is if it gets shared with me from one of my brothers who are both very, like, tangentially MMA fans. Like, they, they kind of watch when they're in the same room as me or if Conor McGregor's fighting. But apart from that, they, they don't typically watch. And my little brother shared it with me, but my older brother did not. So I think what you're you're yeah, kind of getting at is it was a little bit viral, but it didn't have that, like, it didn't have the same feel as like when Edson Barboza knocked out Terry a team with the same Terry exact Adam, kick. Yeah. yeah. Like that dude, that one that one was number one on Sports Center's top ten, right? Like that that one was incredible. Um whereas this one, you're right. It just kinda like it was almost as good as that one. I mean it didn't have the whole like you know, poor Terry Adam, like when he was falling down, it looked like he was trying to ask a teacher a question with his arms stuck in the air like that. Um it didn't have that kind of feel to it, but it did have like Maybe one of the greatest freeze frames in MMA history, if you see when Roosevelt Roberts is getting kicked in the face, his, his face is all badly distorted and stuff. But And, and it could have also been that there was just like a bunch of crazy finishes this past weekend, too, which maybe took a little bit away from it. But yeah, I, I would say not as much as it should have been blown up, but it to, to some extent, I think it reached a little bit of the mainstream. Well, I'll tell you where it probably kind of lives in infamy is where he goes next with it. Um, you know, he won his fight on Contender Series, lost to John McDessie, and now this huge highlight reel KO. So if he reels off a few wins in a row, it's the kind of thing that's used in the video package to hype him up for like a number one contenders fight in two years or something. Then, you know, it kind of it, it'll blow up even more I in history. But if he just goes on to have a ho-hum career, eh, just one of those things MMA nuts like you and me remember and no one else does, you know? Yeah. And, and the, I think the fact that he's 23 maybe bodes well for that other thing. But, uh, yeah, you're right. If if he kind of vanishes, I don't think we remember a uh, Ignacio Bahamonde's KO if he's not a big deal in five to ten years. Uh, well, I'll tell you what is a big deal. It's our favorite segment on the show, Fights, Dogs, Parlays. We got a great main event and a pretty nice undercard to go with it. So excited for this main event. So, Gumby, let's not wait any longer. Let's get to this edition of Fights, Dogs, and Parlays. But please, tell us, does anyone bring the fans this edition of Fights, Dogs, and Parlays? Absolutely. Fight Stocks and Parlay is brought to you by Maroon Social. M-A-R-U-N-E. Maroon Social is the one and only social media app for the martial arts enthusiasts. So whether you do kickboxing, judo, sambo, jujitsu, or any other martial arts, you can log your training sessions, tag your training partners, techniques, log your training or log your competitions, log your weigh-ins. You can put everything right in the palm of your hand. Get rid of that dirty jujitsu journal and get yourself Maroon Social wherever it is you download apps. Boom. All right. I've said it already. I'm so excited about this main event. Giga Chikadze, a minus 115. Edson Barbosa, a minus 105. We should have a striking war here. Uh, Barbosa, the 35-year-old and UFC veteran. We've seen him in some bangers of fights, and he's coming off a win over Shane Burgos via KO, beat Makwana Mirakani before that. So he's on a two-fight win streak. But if you peel it back a little further... He was on a three-fight losing streak, losing to the lights of Justin Gaethje, Paul Felder, Dan Ige. Uh Beat Dan Hooker back in December of 2018. Lost to Kevin Lee and Khabib Nurmagomedov before that. So if you want to go back uh, through the end of 2017 to now, so in the past four years, let's call it, uh, or really in the past three and a half years, 
He lost to Khabib in December of 2017. He is 3-5. He's been in two fight of the nights in those eight fights, but struggling to maintain relevance. And at age 35, uh, you know, we say it all the time, at a lighter weight class, you get into 35, you old, dude, you old. And G.K. Chikadze uh, is 33 himself, but relatively new to MMA, uh, making his MMA debut back in 2015, uh, a very decorated kickboxer before that. We've seen flashes of brilliance in the UFC. He's undefeated in the UFC, actually 6-0, and and coming off a TKO over Cub Swanson and a TKO over Jamie Simons before that, wins over Omar Morales, Erwin Rivera, uh, couldn't be more high on Jiga Chikaze. Wish he himself had found MMA a little sooner and was a little younger. But it feels like he's peaking, and this is classic UFC matchmaking where they give him a big name in Barbosa to build his you know, resume. Also worth noting, he's coming off two performance of the nights in a row. Who you got? I'm going with Giga Chikadze, um, and I'm going to go with kind of an unconventional reason why I'm picking up here is that I think Edson Barboza is ultimately much more aggressive and much more violent with his strikes, right? Lots of spinning shit, lots of crazy stuff. Um, he gets after it, and he gets after it early. This is a five-round fight, though, um, and Giga is not somebody you put away with strikes. Um, so, you know, he's technically very sound defensively. He's He's very skilled offensively as well. But he's definitely a little bit safer, and I think he conserves himself more than Edson Barboza and will pick up steam as this fight goes and as he finds the distance better. I expect Edson Barboza to probably carry two out of the three first rounds and then lose the fourth and fifth here. I like Giga Chikadze here by decision, um, because while I think it's going to be a striking battle, I also think both of these two are very, very skilled technically when it comes to defensive striking as well. Yeah, agreed. I also see this either going to violent KO in the fourth or fifth round uh, or just a decision. I think both guys will play it pretty conservative. We're in for a striking almost point affair here, and I think Giga can take three out of five rounds in that regard. I'd like to see him tested more and more when it comes to grappling, Um, maybe a little dirty boxing uh, up against the fence. Is Edson Barbosa the person to push that? Uh, I don't believe so. I wouldn't be surprised if he tries, if he falls into trouble in the later rounds, to make it uh, more of a grapple fest or at least try to get him down to the ground at some point. But that being said, just, you know, pound for pound, blow for blow, I like Giga's striking more, obviously, given his background um, and even what we've seen in MMA. Uh, so, yeah, I'm, I'm going with him, and I'm going with him by decision as well. Now watch Edson Barbosa go out and prove us all wrong. Okay, let's move on. Um, we have some, this is really like the Ultimate Fighter finale, uh, one of those old shows. It's just not being called that. Um, and I'm excited for this matchup. Uh, this is Brian Battle and Gilbert Urbina. Both guys look very good on the show. Um, it should be noted that Urbina, these are both young guys. You know, you go for Edson Barbosa who's 35 and has a million fights. Gilbert Urbina is 6-1 and one in UFC with a couple of wins that don't really count on the Ultimate Fighter, the return of the Ultimate Fighter. And let me ask you something, Gumby. Did you like the season of the Ultimate Fighter, the return, before we get into the fight breakdown? I will say I actually enjoyed it. So first of all, I'm one of those suckers who will pretty much tune in to the Ultimate Fighter no matter what. But I really appreciate the lack of people throwing drinks at one another in the house and there were no Junie Brownings or Julian Lanes in this season and for that I was thankful it was more like a bunch of dads sitting around talking about how much they like being dads um or were about to be dads and how pumped they were that they were going to be dads um and and maybe it's just the point of my life that I'm in but that was nice um and I appreciated that they also did a really good job of, like, giving you good glimpses of the insides of, like, what these guys' lives are like at home, um, which I think that focus and less of the uh, raging alcoholics in the, the house um, at least played off better to me. Now, as far as, like, the skill of fighters go, I think we probably saw less big 
potential in this show than we have in the past. I think both divisions have a little bit here and there, but I mean, you're only seeing the finale in one other fight uh, from people on this show. I think you're going to see a lot of these guys pop up in the contender series and possibly work their way in here. But yeah, like skill wise, maybe a little bit lower than definitely the like mediums, the middle seasons of like, you know, seasons 10 through 14 or something like that. But um, yeah, it was fun to watch. I would say nevertheless. Yeah, I, I'm with you on that, actually. I gave it a lot of flack on our social media at Top Turtle MMA because it just felt so stale to me. It's sort of the same Ultimate Fighter format. But the more I thought about it, and I think you hit the nail on the head, they took out the the trashy reality show aspect to it. So while I can kind of give it some shit for being like the same sort of tournament, per se, it is a different show. It really more is about these guys' personal lives and then their training and then ultimately the fights that happen. But I just, you know, that's where I still am kind of down on it from what you said, which is that we're not seeing, you know, when Dana White compiled a roster for Ultimate Fighter 1, those really were like the 16 best prospects in the U.S. at that time. I mean, those were known names from big camps. And now there are just so many other ways if guys are signed to LFA, even if, heck, if they're signed to Bellator for a first fight, four fight contract or, you know, PFL or whatever that's called now. Um, same thing. Just go to Dana White's Contender Series. And people know, why should I have to go to Vegas for six weeks, two months of my life, not be able to see my girlfriend you know, is that is the exposure that great in the day of social media now where a guy can't just get himself over to borrow a quote from professional wrestling in other ways? I don't think the ultimate fighter is the vehicle it was 15 years ago. But that being said, it's still a fun show. And like you said, I do think the talent has dropped off a little bit. Let's get back to the actual fight, though. Uh, Brian Pooh Bear Battle Looked very good, uh, predominantly a striker. This is that middleweight, by the way. He's 26 years old, um, and he's fighting Gilbert Urbina, who I don't know if you know anything about Gilbert Urbina, but every sibling of his was an ultimate fighter at some point, was in the UFC. In fact, I think his uncle was in the UFC. His dad was in the UFC. His grandma fought Ronda Rousey in the first <laughs> ever female UFC fight. Every family member of Gilbert Urbina's it was in the UFC at some point. But anyway, uh, he is fighting Brian Battle here. He's the plus 135 dog. Uh, or excuse me, Brian Battle, the minus 160 favorite. And Urbina, yes, the plus 135 dog. Who you got? I'm going to go with Brian Battle on this one. First of all, Urbina, wh- while I liked him, uh, he did get knocked out brutally uh, in the semifinals mm. by Treshawn Gore, who drops out of this main event um, due to a knee injury. Gilbert Urbina gets elevated to this fight. And, and he's fighting probably who I would have considered the second best striker on the show, maybe, um, in Brian Battle as far as technically. And actually, I think Brian Battle, when you add his grappling, probably, you know, his grappling and his positioning and his work against the cage, I actually think had a really good chance to beat Trayshawn Gore and probably would have beat Trayshawn Gore. So you're like getting a guy who already beat Gilbert Urbina up against the guy who probably would have beat that guy. And sure, MMA math doesn't always work out, but... You know, I, I think the striking proved to be a problem for Gilbert Urbina in his last fight on the UFC. I think it probably proves to be a problem here again. Um, and, and I think Brian Battle comes out on top. I don't know if he gets the knockout or not, but I'll also say this. Nobody grew more on that show than Brian Battle did. He went from being a guy who I was like, oh, that guy's predominantly a striker, to submitting who I thought was the best submission artist in that division and some of that has got to be working with Craig Jones. You got to give Craig Jones some credit there. But man, he seems like he's growing leaps and bounds, being a younger guy. Yeah, I, I think he's going to go up in there and touch up Gilbert Urbina. Uh, no arguments for me. We'll move then to the other Ultimate Fighter finale. We'll drop 50 pounds and go, uh, you know, from middleweight all the way down to bantamweight. And you have Ricky Tercios, a very solid favorite at minus 170. To Brady Highstand, who is a plus 145 dog. He comes from a good fight camp or a known fight camp, I should say. He's training partners with Michael Chiesa. And I think Brady Highstand has the biggest smile on any human being <laughs> in the history of the world. Who are you taking here? I think I'm going to take Brady Highstand. And let me tell you something. I am, and I don't say this lately, I am a Ricky Tercios fan. Like, I enjoyed his story. I enjoyed watching him. His scrambles are incredible. He does such a good job scrambling. He's a crazy 
innovative striker. But I think the problem here is that the amount of times he had to scramble on the Ultimate Fighter worries me. Um, because to me, that says he was put in a bad enough position that he had to scramble and he worked out of it. But all of the guys he fought were not as good of wrestlers as Brady Highstand, who I think is just like a crazy grinder. Um, and I think the fact that he is so good at holding somebody down, like he held down Vince Murdoch in the, the semifinals and he held down Josh Rittenhouse, who is a crazy, like long veteran, former M1 global champion. And he like held that dude down for the better part of three rounds. Like I think Brady is probably going to be too much for Ricky in the wrestling department. If he doesn't finish him, which it might be a long shot because Ricky is so durable. I think he just controls all three rounds enough that he wins them on the judges scorecards. Wow. What a pick. Um, all right. You know, I, uh, I won't argue with you on anything, but I'm just going to say what a pick. Underdog of the week, uh, not him, but we're going to go with Pat Sabatini, plus 135. Let's hear it. Yeah, so I love Pat Sabatini because he is coming out of slowly my new favorite fight camp to rep all the time, and that's Daniel Gracie Jiu-Jitsu, which is also the camp of uh, Sean, one Sean Brady, one Andre Petrovsky, who you will see also on this card, and Jeremiah Wells, as well as a slew of other people. Look, I, th- I think Pat Sabatini is an absolute beast when it comes to wrestling. He's fighting Jamal Emers, who's kind of a wrestler in his own right, but has never really fought a guy who can offensively push him like Pat Sabatini can. I think Sabatini is going to low-key have the wrestling advantage here. Emers is going to want to keep it standing, but I just don't think he's going to have the ability to do so. So I'm taking Pat Sabatini. He's going to rip him to the ground. I even wouldn't be surprised if he subbed Jamal Emers. Our parlay to play this week, Dustin Jacoby, a minus-190 favorite. Kevin Lee, friend of the show, a minus-150 favorite. Now, those are two pretty good favorites, but pair them together, parlay it. You get a plus-155 odds on it. Let's hear it. So I'm going to start with Dustin Jacoby. I think he's fighting a guy who is usually a middleweight here in Darren Stewart. He has moved up for a couple of fights to light heavyweight, but he's just so much smaller than Dustin Jacoby, who is a natural tool fiver and is just massive. Um, in addition to that, Jacoby's going to have the reach advantage, he's going to have the height advantage, and he's a kickboxer. Darren Stewart has begun mixing in his wrestling a little bit, but Dustin Jacoby stuffed a ton of Eon Kudalaba's takedowns. So if you're stuffing Eon Kudalaba, I think you've stuffed Darren Stewart pretty easily, and the kickboxer just pieces him up on the feet here. Kevin Lee, sometimes people think he's a tough one to bet on, especially because, I mean, he, sometimes he's the guy who submitted Edson Barboza, and sometimes he's the guy who knocked out Gregor Gillespie, and sometimes he's the guy who just absolutely tired out and got subbed by Tony Ferguson or got pieced up by a couple other people. And, you know, he's coming off of a, a not so great performance in his last fight where he got submitted granted by Charles Olives. But, uh, you know, like he, he's up and down kind of fighter. I just think he's fighting Daniel Rodriguez here, a guy who loves his boxing and is pretty damn good at boxing, but I'm not sure has ever been tested in his wrestling abilities. Um, and I think Kevin Lee is going to push it, going to test it, going to control him here. So I like Jacoby and Kevin Lee plus 155. Boom. I love it. I love fights, dogs, and parlays. And we, of course, will be live tweeting during the show. Follow along with us at Top Turtle MMA. Hey, let us know if we did you right. Let us know if we did you dirty on some of these fight picks. Uh, we accept both love and hate feedback here on Top Turtle. And speaking of Top Turtle, if you think we deserve it, head on over to iTunes, write us a five-star review. It helps keep the lights on in the Top Turtle Podcast studio. Gumby, this train is rumbling down the tracks. Choo-choo, where should we go next? Well, we're going to transition now to my interview with Andre Petrosky, who's coming off the Ultimate Fighter 29, where he lost in the semifinals to Brian Battle. We're going to talk a little bit about that loss, not getting the late finish, uh, or the late replacement, rather, to come in and get his rematch, why he thinks he would do very well in that rematch, and also the aforementioned team, Daniel Gracie, that I am so high on right now. He talks a little bit about what makes it so great and what's on the up and up with that team as well. And we're going to get to all of that interview for you right now. All right, and joining me today is Andre Petrosky, who fights Michael Gilmore at UFC Vegas 35 this upcoming Saturday. So, Andre, I know the fans have just kind of saw this fight booked kind of very recently. How long have you known that you had a fight coming up this Saturday? Um, Probably about three days ago I got the call. 
Oh, wow. So, so you were a- as surprised as some of us, too. So then, you know, coming off the show, knowing that the finale w- was going to be roughly when it was, did did you just go back into a training camp style thing, hoping something would happen? Or w- what was sort of your mentality leaving the show? So I did at first. And then I kind of saw that um, they announced that the finale was August 28th and it looked like the card was full. So then I talked to my uh, my manager, and we were kind of on the same page of like, hey, like that doesn't look good. And um, you know, I, I stay in the gym. You know, we, we stay training all the time every day, but um, you know, it was just it's just not the same as being in camp. But it, I mean, we're ready to go, man. I, I'm I'm always ready. I'm always training, and uh, you know, it doesn't matter. It don't matter. It really doesn't matter how long. So, so with that being said, you know, you, you had some hopes that the hopes seemed to be dashed. And then with three days, you know, before today, at least three days before today, you get the call and, and you get yeah. told this. What, what was the reaction like letting you know that you were going to get to be a, a UFC fighter for the first time? Yeah, for sure. Um, it's almost like I haven't really, like, taken a moment to stop and, like, almost, like, uh, appreciate the moment or appreciate the opportunity. Just been super busy with getting all the uh, – you know, the little stuff done, the paperwork, all those side of stuff. But, um, I mean, I was definitely – like, the first day, I was definitely stoked. Like, I, I mean, I was looking at, uh, you know, trying to get a fight locally. And then uh, when that call came, I was I was definitely over the moon. And, we're you know, we're really happy with the opponent. And, and uh, yeah, everything came together good. And my teammate is also uh, on the same card. So, you know, my coaches were already going to be out there. So, we're going to have a full team, and, and it's uh, it's going to be a great weekend. Yeah, and I was going to ask you about that. Your, your teammate, Pat Sabatini, correct? Um, yeah. Yeah, so uh, did that make things extra easier for you, knowing that, you know, you didn't have to worry about trying to fly an extra coach out of there or anything like that? You just had, you know, sort of your guys already in a hotel room? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like, it's basically, you know, a little over $500 for every coach after your first one, so – um, having those guys already coming out, it was like, it was, you know, definitely awesome. Yeah. And, and now you mentioned in there that you really liked the opponent choice and, and obviously you got to see all those guys in the house at some point in time, but you really did see less of Gilmore, right? Like he shows up to the, the, you know, show late as a rate, late replacement for somebody with a knee injury. Did you yeah. feel like you got a good sense of him in your time there? Or did you feel like, you know, maybe he's still a little bit more of a mystery to you? So let me just correct you first. Like, I wanted the rematch. I wanted to be on the finale uh, fighting Brian Battle. That's a fight that, you know, if anyone watched, um, you know, obviously I, I think that I was dominating that fight. I made, uh, you know, a couple mistakes. But uh, I wanted that fight first, first and foremost. But um, honestly, I would have been okay with, with whoever else they matched me up with, to be honest, especially anyone in the house and uh, – you know, I would have been I would have been uh, good with that. Um, I think that my style is is definitely uh, uh, is an issue for for Gilmore. I mean, uh, yeah, we trained together. Uh, we were we were definitely training partners for a while in the house, especially uh, you know once once his quarterfinal fight was over, he um, you know he was kind of like uh, you know a good body for for any of us to use, especially since. Uh, you know, Trayshawn was getting ready and, uh, like a, a lot of other guys were hurt. And, um, so yeah, I got to train me and Michael trained a, a good amount together. Well, so let me, let me take you back to what you said before. Cause obviously, you know, you're right. Trayshawn Gore falls out of the, the main event. Well, the, the finale rather did, did you have any, you know, inkling that he was going to be pulled from the fight? And when he did pull from the fight, was your first reaction seeing them put Gilbert in or did you, was there a little bit of time in between where you were pulling for that fight? Um, so I didn't find out that Trayshawn was out until, um, you know, Mick basically called me. I was in Acme and he calls me from a random number. And to be honest, like I usually would never have answered that phone call. It was from a number from Texas. And I answer and he's like, you know, Hey, it's Mick Maynard. Like just wanted to know if you could make weight next week. And I'm like, yeah, of course. And then like, he, he's like, all right, I'll, I'll be in touch. Right. And, uh, I get off the phone and I'm like, 
what the? I'm like, that's definitely a prank phone call. Like, <laughs> I was like, I'm like, why is he calling me and not my manager? First off, and like, second off, like, it was just so random. And I, I like I said, like, I wasn't expecting it. So that was definitely like a cool moment. And then like, you know, m- not much later, I talked to my manager about it, and uh, you know, he had already talked to him. So uh, thanks for giving me a heads up, Jason. <laughs> <laughs> well, but I, uh, I forget what the original question was. So, so I was asking. So, was was that your first inkling that you know, uh, yeah. you know that, that he was he had pulled from the fight and that Trajan was not going to fight? And and then, like, what was your reaction when you heard Gilbert or so, would be the one stepping? So in? after after Mick uh, called me, I called my manager and he's like, "Yeah, we're going into the matchmaking. They're going into the matchmaking meeting now." And I was like, okay. Uh, and then later on, he mentioned that Trayshawn was hurting out. And, um, you know, it makes sense. Honestly, uh, he, he had, you know, some injuries on the show, as, as a lot of guys did. But, um, yeah, I didn't, I didn't know that Trayshawn was out until they had, he had already told me that, um, that they were matching me up with Gilmore. Ah, so and what are your thoughts then about them not giving you a chance and then going with with Urbina instead? Like obviously, you know, you didn't feel like you were close to it because you know they were already yeah. matching you up with Gilmore at that time. But is it frustrating knowing that they they went with Urbina instead? Um, yeah, especially just because like I think that I put on a way better showing in the semifinal. Like, I mean, I, I, like let's face it, like uh, Urbina kind of got dominated. Uh, he got dropped three or four times. Um, in the fight, um, I think that he got dominated, and uh, you know, I, I, I think I, first round I, I was winning ten eight against against Battle. So um, on one hand, I uh, I could see some people making the argument of oh we don't want to see a rematch again in the finale, but then from from all the responses that I was getting, a lot of people wanted to see that rematch, and, and as much as I did too, I want that rematch. For sure. Now, so we do have to move on to the matchup that is at hand, which is Michael Gilmore. You said you feel like you have a lot of advantages. Where do you feel like your biggest advantage is in this fight? And sort of how do you see this fight taking place? Um, I just think that my, obviously, my wrestling and my grappling is, um, has has been proven to be uh, much more effective, at least in fighting. Um you know, in fights, I finish people in fights. He, he's been getting submitted. You know, that's just like the facts. You can look at, you know, the results. Um, I think my striking, I think I have fought better strikers and, and outstruck better strikers. So I think I, I'm very confident going into this fight. Absolutely. And before I let all my fighters go, I'd like to ask them if they've got a prediction. How do you see this one ending? Second round, the TKO or submission. All right, well, you heard it here first, folks. This is Andre Petrosky, who fights Michael Gilmore at UFC Vegas 35 this upcoming Saturday. Andre, thank you so much for the time, man. I really appreciate it. Yes, sir. Thank you. And that's going to do it for another episode of Top Turtle MMA Podcast. We want to thank you, the fans, for tuning in yet again, because we would not have a show without you guys. We also want to thank our sponsors, Better Than Vegas and Maroon Social. Thank them so much for keeping the lights on in the Top Turtle studio. Also, remember that you can check us out on Twitter and Instagram at Top Turtle MMA. In both of those places, we usually give you great fight night content as well as some exclusive episode images. And thank yous to the sponsors there, so make sure you follow along. And until next week, I'm Daniel Gumby-Freeland. He's Shockwave Dave Tremonte, and we'll catch you then.